in three, two, one, go. Computer science to me is networking with cool and smart people. Games. College. Innovation. BitConnect. Data structures and algorithms. Creativity. The lifestyle. Fixing bugs. Data. Discrete math. Opportunity, diversity, and hope. Computer science is the future. All right. Welcome, everyone, back to the fifth episode of Therful Hurstberg. In this episode, we have two very special guests, Tolu and Kevin, joining us from University of Ottawa and University of Toronto. Nice. Have you guys going to go ahead and introduce yourselves? Yeah, I will give the floor to Kevin. All right. Um, yeah, I'm Kevin. I'm from U of T, currently in my third year, studying computer science and psychology, double major. And what a flex. Um, yeah, cool. preparing my career in uh, UX design. Um, and hopefully I could transition to product design as well. Um, but they're all pretty much interrelated. Um, I could talk about my background, like how I got into UX. Yeah, I mean, it's up to you. <laughs> okay, to yeah. You. So it uh, it started in high school. I I started off with more of like a visual design background. Um, it's what you think of when you hear design, more of like uh, like making posters for clubs, making logos for friends, and um, just getting myself familiar with Adobe products, um, especially Adobe Illustrator. And then when I got to university, um, I thought I wanted to do software engineering. Um, however, uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to go that path because it didn't, uh, I, thought, I always thought of myself as a creative person. <laughs> So I don't want to, I didn't, and I had all this visual design uh, skills and knowledge that I didn't want to forget. So I kind of found this uh, UI, UX design career path. And basically it was like perfect for me because it, it combined everything from like front end um, coding, programming to uh, design, which like together is basically who I am. So. That's how I decided to go on this route. And um, yeah, currently I'm uh, doing a uh, PY co-op internship at Ontario Teachers Pension Plan as a UX designer. Very cool. Very cool. Dope. That is, damn, that is awesome. I wish I had a, I don't think I have quite a practice. Uh, like a really well put together one like that, Kevin. Uh, but I'll, I'll try. So I'm Tolu, fourth year at University of Ottawa, software engineering. Um, been designing now for two years. Uh, made the transition in my second year. Uh, actually, no, that's that's not true. First year, after my first summer internship, I was like, "Eh, I think I could be a designer." So I gave it a shot, and then it worked out. Um, and so since then, I've done a couple of other couple of stuff around. Um, did some of my earliest work at at a portfolio as a like a as a UX engineering intern. Um, which is just a fancy word for prototyper. And um, then I transitioned to a design agency in Toronto, uh, interned there as an interaction design intern, and then uh, did a startup, uh, Transparent Kitchen, as a product design intern. And there I worked on search and home and for the product. 
Uh, and then that was when I made the transition to Facebook as a product design intern there. Uh, and then this fall, we'll be going to Quora. And then in between, did a bunch of stuff at like Uata Hack, which is where I met this wonderful gentleman that's hosting this. And um, did a bunch of random stuff, taught design on campus, just kind of fucked around for a bit. And then eventually, uh, I'm still here. <laughs> like, like, that's kind of the best I got. Like, it's like, so far, no one's been like, don't do that. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I don't, I didn't come in from a visual design background. I, I never used the Adobe products. I just kind of put myself on this incredibly long, incredibly like short treadmill and like power top myself design in under six months. And because uh, that was that was the time. And, 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 and we can get into the details of that later. Uh, and then I was just like, you know what? Uh, what do I need to learn? What's most impactful now? Did that. Didn't care about anything else. I still don't know how to use Photoshop till today. I'm very honest about it. I can't use Photoshop. I don't know how to use Illustrator. Um, I could do some some basic stuff with it, like I can get some stuff done. But can I like, you know, make fancy stuff? Nope. And but I can do some pretty cool shit in Figma and Sketch. So that's a, yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Anyways, that's me in a nutshell. Software engineering student, still doing software. Hopefully, trying to graduate, but. Outside of that, just kind of figuring my way out in design like everyone else. Cool. No, that's amazing. I think, um, so as we can see, both of these really amazing people have joined design from different backgrounds, right? Not from like um, arts or like English, right? It's, it's more like a, from a technical background. And I, and I think that's real interesting. Um, personally, in the past internships that I've had, I've also met a lot of uh, designers that came from a technical background. Yeah. And I don't know, it, it seems like a, like a fairly like common trend. Um, as, as we were talking before the podcast, totally. Yeah, yeah. And so I think you've already you've already answered this question, Kevin. But how did you first get into design? Like, what were your what was that first thing that you did with design? Like, uh, I think personally for me, one of the first things that I did when I was trying it out, as, as a, kind of similar to Kevin, I was first doing like random logos or posters and stuff in high school, and I was like, you know, I kind of like this stuff, and I want to explore it more in terms of like how it works with tech. Um, but what did that look like to you? For, yeah, for me, uh, it was started in grade nine. I had this uh, club at high school, and uh, we needed to like promote it, so we needed posters. And that's when I—that's the first time I got myself uh, Adobe Illustrator. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't ask me how I got it. it. That's that, that, that's what I want. Oh. Did you torrent or did you buy it? <laughs> you can tell the, us. The uh, the former. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't like, like I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> I, I, I think I think that's yeah. so common. Oh uh, my god! Like torrenting Adobe, torrenting Adobe products. I think it's like yeah, so it like rite of passage. Like it's Adobe so listening on this podcast. They're like we got it. Like, <laughs> it's it's like it's so, evil for good, though. You know, and it's like, so expensive. It's so expensive. <laughs> like. Well, I said last time I looked at it, it was twenty US USD a month. It's, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't own any Adobe products. I just yeah. can't. I think that's the the thing though. Like a lot of these companies will actually make it kind of easy to pirate the software because they know yeah. that like if you get people to use your like Photoshop before it used to be really easy to like um, to pirate because like these people like people who are like grade nine grade ten they can't really afford it either way so like it's yeah. better to just let them use it and learn it and then when they go into the actual workforce right 
then they're gonna well, add, like well, request well. for the company to pay for it, right? So like, yeah, that's, that's that's the thing that I think about like the new tools that are all like free. Uh, they're gonna like succeed in the long term way easy, way more easily because yeah. like people are using I mean, them now. You know what I mean? And you don't have to go through the struggle of pirating stuff. But yeah, Kevin, you were saying. Yeah, definitely. Like, without torrents, um, I would definitely not have this like yeah. career. Uh, but yeah, so that I made a poster for our club, and uh, that's how I kind of got the ball rolling for me. Um, I started looking into like as design aesthetics more, and uh, the more I did, the more I like kind of got got absorbed into it, you know. And that's what um that like after high school like i had all this like design knowledge from from experience and that's a that's how like i didn't want to lose all this knowledge like by going into a uh like a programming job you know and that's yeah. what made me choose a uh, ux choose yeah 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 it's kevin kevin is a really cool like uh, visual designer he has this uh I've been to his place previously when I when I lived in Toronto. He has this frame of like this poutine that he drew, and it, it's just like it's so cool. Um, yeah. What's the frame later? I want to see this. I'm always kind of uh, <laughs> impressed or inspired by people with like heavily visual backgrounds. That's that's like the word I meant was jealous. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like I said inspired. It's really just jealous. I'm just ah, I wish I could do that. Like that's really cool. But yeah, Omar, you. Uh, no, it, actually, if, if, when I go to Utah, how did oh, you, yeah, no, how no, was it? Yeah. Yeah, how did I, how, and your, I think the question was how I got into design, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so basically for me, I, so I came from a tech background. Like I've always been coding, mostly started in front end, started with HTML, CSS, PHP, <laughs> um, and now it's kind of like React and you know, Firebase, and you can't start a website these days without npming installing something. So I was I was from the I'm from the time when you just put a bunch of shit in a folder, uh, and then you did like index.html, and that was how you built your website. Like <laughs> now, like, now, now you can't. You gotta have a you gotta, you gotta have Webpack configured or whatnot. So that's where I came from. Uh, but what I saw along the line was. I just enjoyed making things for me. It was like I enjoyed making products and making stuff happen. Um, and I enjoyed asking questions about them. And so really how I got into design was my first internship at Cofolio. That was really cool. I got to work on the design team at Cofolio, which was super fun. Um, like literally I was hired as an engineer, but I was embedded on their team. So, so I so did do... Like yeah. Did you know that you would get that choice to work in design? Oh, yeah, no, I, I asked for that. Uh, I asked for oh, it. Like, I, oh, I remember yeah. at the time, the chief experience officer at the company, um, oh, his name escapes me right now. If he hears this, he's going to be so mad. At his name escaped me. But, um, yeah, I walked right up. To, he did a talk at our school. I walked right up to him. I was like, I want to work on your team. I, I don't know what that looks like, but I want to work on your team. And he was like, huh? And I was like, Let's go. So uh, I told him that. And so we got there. We did the interview. Then eventually at the end, we're like, okay, cool. I think there's a way we can make this work where you can work on our team. And what I essentially did was just like take all the far out the ideas they wanted to explore and I would build it like in code um, so that we don't expend any like actual dev power 
on somebody's like sketch designs yeah. kind of thing. So that's what I was doing. And anyways, I actually, yeah. now, now you're mentioning that, I think that's one of the um, um, developers of design is the ability to understand both, right? And I, I think sort of, there's been these like sort of new trend of roles called UX development or UX engineering who uh, who like really didn't exist in the past, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, 100%. I think that's that was popularized by Google. Like they would like they they were the ones that kind of craft this UX engineering role. That's also been popularized by the rise of design systems and all that fun stuff. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I did that. Uh, that was fun. After that, decided you know what I think I enjoyed working on the design team. Could I be a designer? Um, and then of course, then the final like kind of layer to that. I think of it like a cake. The lay the final layer was sort of like I've always been this maker. I've always been this person just like make shit uh happen and create stuff um and i've always just been fat i just i just love good looking products like uh, you just look at a product and you're like dang that looks great that's like awesome why does that look like that why is that amazing um and and i think that was what triggered that triggered that move for me so now these days i think of my i think of my role as a designer and what i do as a designer less as a function of like can i make nice stuff but it's just like it's just another avenue for me to create it's not really like i'm not really the kind of designer that will get into the the uh theory with you on you know fonts and colors i couldn't care less i think it's relatively inconsequential like i don't know if like you know i'm gonna get crucified for this but it's just like i find it relatively inconsequential but that's for me that's for my design practice um and i can see how some designers like that's the core of their practice and I think because they think about it, I don't have to. So that's that's kind of good. I don't think we all need to be thinking about fonts and colors. <laughs> do you do you think there's a difference between like? Do you think that there's like a lot of like uh, skill overlap between something? Because you said you worked as a UX designer as well as a product designer, right? So do you yeah. think there's a lot of like, overlap yeah. between the two? Because it's, it's kind all, of different, right? The thing with it is that there's there's a lot of like variety within design. Right? A lot a lot of yeah. people think design, and it's not just one role. Like I think from the ones that I know, it's like interaction visual content um correct me if i'm wrong but i think there's more right yeah and 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 i'm and i'm interested to know like you know kevin you know in your in your experience like with the with the strong visual background that you bring and the concept background that you bring um in your day-to-day just creating do you find that you're able to blend that as well or you kind of have to operate in one space and then take that and operate in the next space. I know we're kind of biting into your question, Omar, but I'm (laughs) really interested to know that. Yeah, it's definitely like, you can't have one without the other because you're designing something for something to be developed by programmers. Mm. So you you can't just like go crazy on the design or else the developers, they'll have a real hard time like implementing everything. True, true. So that's kind of like a constraint. Um, you got to know it one, if you're a designer. Um, yeah. But but like as a visual design, like I, I feel like I'm more specialized in that field. So I feel like you need to as a visual like like as a visual designer, you want to have all this like creative freedom and go crazy on a design. But then um, it's it will take like years to implement as it for developers too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Anyways. I feel like uh that constraint that you're talking about, Kevin, I feel like that's something that sort of as I mentioned before, that we understand because we have seen the code. 
right? And we know that like if you draw like something really crazy moving around the screen, like we know that like that realistically with like coding it with JavaScript or HTML, it's gonna be like a mess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but in general, I want to hear from you guys. What are some benefits that you guys get from like understanding the development side of things and the design side of things? Um, like what are what are some things that you've learned from across these past years? Yeah. Kevin, do you want to take this oh, one first? Yeah, or should yeah. I jump in? Sure. Uh, like, do you want to get technical? Like, uh, design in in grids. So. I think I think in general it's just like yeah yeah like what are the some of the the I think maybe I'll take this one first like really quickly right off the bat it's sort of like you know the perennial question should designers code right has always been it's a you see it all the time right short answer do whatever you want like it's not really uh, you can't really answer the question so maybe that question maybe that answer is not, is in some ways a non-answer what I've learned is that look. Ultimately, our work is expressed in code, right? And understanding code is the same way as a fashion designer understands textile, right? Or a painter understands paint and canvases. Um, It doesn't seem very smart as a digital product designer to not understand the mediums within which our work is expressed. So that's for that reason alone it makes sense. And for that reason, like that's where a bulk of my learning comes from. Um, but yeah. more specifically, some of the things that I've learned over the years, just melding the two together is, okay, well, one, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? Like that's one thing. Like a lot of designers, when they're stuck in their design tool, working in the con- constraints of that, really want to reinvent the wheel and really want to try a lot of different things. And in yeah. some cases, that's okay, and that's good, and that's the point. In other cases, uh, once you get down to material and get down to code, you begin to realize there's a framework that's probably doing what you want to do. You can just pop in and move on. There's a, there's something that's doing what you want to do. You can just pop in and move on. And so like understanding that not every wheel needs to be reinvented uh, is a direct byproduct of, of the fact that I've been able to operate in both code and design. Yeah. Um, and then I think another major one is just like the best products are often built by, at least today, are being built by cross-functional teams, right? And mm-hmm. so if anything, being able to operate in code and design has just helped me articulate my work better. So as a designer, what I found both in internships, freelance work, part-time work, is just like half your work is sales, right? And designer is sales. And I think you know the the sooner as a designer you understand that the better for you because it's just yeah. like your work no one's gonna just sit there you, you, you most designers envision this moment where you show you show your work and everyone's just like just blown away and it's like it's rarely like that it's rarely the case at least for me i maybe maybe i don't produce this good i don't know but for most scenarios i think it's just there's so many constraints that you need to communicate and socialize your work um and being able to talk about code means, okay, you can you can go and socialize your work with engineers and they get it. Yeah. And you can go socialize your work with a PM and they get it. You can go socialize your work with somebody else and they get it. And so you can move fluidly between all these different spaces. Um, and, and that's just that's just powerful. So those would be the those are I think the, the high level ones I've learned is just like you don't need to reinvent the wheel all the time and socializing your work becomes a lot easier. No, and and I think that's uh that thing about not reinventing the wheel, I think 
especially with Figma, they have done a really amazing job with that, with uh, their community, sort of like, um, so like for those who don't know, uh, Figma uh, recently, I'd say, yeah, recently started a, sort of like this community thing where people can publish their themes, their their kits, their UI sets, and then other designers can simply take those sort of like building blocks and then build products with them, right? So you don't have to go and design your buttons or your dropdowns from scratch, you can just take them. But going back to that question, I think, I'm not sure if this is what you meant, Kevin, mm -hmm. um, when talking about grids. But like one very, very specific example for me that has helped me a lot was when designing layouts of applications or websites. When you understand how to properly design things with frames and how to like properly order things in, in like uh, with layouts and frames, it's really helped me a lot when I try to write the code for that, right? Where like I understand how to like organize rows and columns and grids. I don't like there's less thinking that I have to do when I code it because I've already done it when when I was designing it, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the knowledge you kind of you have to when you're designing, you have to think about everything. Like you got to think about the developers, you got to think about the end users. Uh so I think like as uh, Tolu said, like as a designer, you're a salesperson. You're you have to you're you're designing something for like everyone to use. You can't be like you gotta be selfless when you're designing, right? Yeah. So back to your question of like having all these technical knowledge from coding is definitely an um, advantage. Um, so it makes to like make everyone's lives easier and like basically get the product out, you know. Because uh, I feel like as a designer, like you're you're the um, the genesis of like the product, basically. Like you are the product. Of, I mean, I can't say you are the product, but you're making the start of the product. But you also have uh, like managers and um, like the business side of things too to consider as well. Um, but yeah, the product is like that's that's what you're making as a designer. Yeah. Also, now moving into another sort of topic, why I, I think what I've seen from the past years is that the importance of design has changed a lot over the past years, meaning that a lot of um, like a lot of companies have now shifted into um, designing. Like before, I think it was like developing and designing was done at the same time, whereas now it's it's done like develop the development is done with the design in mind, right? Like. Where like you design first and then you go and implement things, right? Tell us. Oh, I, I don't think that's entirely the case, but I think there is some truth to it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of companies are definitely awakening to the power of design, um, and that's good because obviously you see companies like Airbnb, for example. Airbnb is a pure case in the power of design. Like that's a company that pays attention to design and it shows and they benefit from it. Um, I think to some degree where we're at right now with design is sort of this world where, you know, I think like, I think Ke Kevin mentioned is, you know, design is becoming more and more the genesis of, of, of how product um, innovations happen, which is good, which is good. But, uh, but, uh, but, but, but I think ultimately we need to be, I think design also needs to be a little careful in the sense that, uh, it's sort of like a kid that's never had the wheel and then now has the wheel. <laughs> and it's like, well, let's, go, 
old and it's like okay relax <laughs> so um i think we're, we're we're definitely figuring things out in that sense but no i think i think you're, you're you're definitely right in the sense that you know a lot of a lot of things are are, are following design uh mm-hmm. in the sense that okay design comes up with a new way the product can work the new way the product can feel and then we and then and then you know and then um uh, engineering follows suit and, and and everything else follows suit yeah um but it's sort of like with pay, with great power comes great responsibility kind of thing right because mm-hmm. at the same time you think about it um in that case it becomes our responsibility as designers to then think about the edge cases of our product so that's for example that's what differentiates a junior designer from a senior designer isn't the visual work isn't the uh prettiness of the work it's how well thought out that work is functionality right um is it are you considering edge cases are you thinking about stress cases are you only thinking about the best possible way your product can be used in fact like something i've stopped doing is showing only the best possible show your work when an error happens show your work when a user takes and takes 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 an unexpected action and if and if you're trying to build a product that is going to be used by possibly millions of people you should be thinking about bad actors you should be thinking about what happens when somebody uses the product in a way that it was not intended you know you, you know you know if if design truly is the genesis of 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 products then in that case design is the genesis of problems and uh, we right. need to be yeah. aware of that like we can't just take the great part of being genesis and say yeah we're the genesis yay <laughs> no you also need to own the fact that if a problem happens we it's because we didn't think about it yeah like like if you said the user can get to this screen and the coders do that the problem falls on you right not the on problem them, falls on us right? and, and yeah. i and i think we're not to some degree i think that's the bit of a conversation we're not entirely like open and ready to yeah. accept just yet is that your job as a designer if you create a product that unfortunately is used in a way that wasn't even promotes something isn't great um and we're seeing that happen now with products all over the world being used in ways that maybe not supposed to be used that way um and a lot of people say oh, and it's like well we could talk about those but any future product needs to own up to the fact that okay if, if it truly is design truly is the genesis then we as designers need to start thinking up front have a strong point of view about how this product should operate and I think something that uh, I learned when I was interviewing at Quora, it was like a, a term I'd never heard of first called product mechanics. And it's like having a strong point of view on the mechanics of the product. You know, when you like you think about a product and it's like there's only a, certain ways this product can operate. Like I have I have this PS4 controller in my hand and it's like there's only so many ways you can use this. Right. Like any any other way it's designed to constrain in it um uh, 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 uh in a sense or maybe a yeah. better yet think of like a car like a car is designed with certain safety guards around it so let's say you know like the more advanced ones if you're driving in a certain way like something's kick in to constrain you um tech products not so much like tech products are designed with almost limitless controls and maybe that's the problem right but but that's a different conversation we're kind of i'm trying to i'm kind of verging into ethics here so i'm going to yeah. pick myself but yes design has this incredible control now that's good we asked for the seat at the table we have it we've asked for the wheel we got it the question now is where are we driving to i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, that's sort of my long-winded answer to that question. Just like there's like uh, over-engineering, do you think there's such a thing as uh, over-designing? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yo, what? Definitely, you can over-design something. Uh, have you seen like those? I've seen them. I've seen like digital products? 100%. Like, I think one thing I've been, I've been talking to someone about recently is like animations. Animations is a really quick way to over-design. Um, I think I learned somewhere animations is the is the sprinkles, not the cake. Like yeah. imagine if you had a cake and it was just like they took a bucket of sprinkles and just like dumped it on it. It'd be a shitty cake. Um, and I think that's exactly what animations is. It's like you dump too much on it and it's like this is a shit rock. Like I can't use this because everything's just like flying and like you're waiting for this button to animate. You're just like I just have to click. Like can I just <laughs> tap it and move on? <laughs> so yeah, you can definitely overdesign for sure. Yeah, and another thing that comes with it too is that companies have been saving to like in crazy amount of designers that they've had per teams and decreasing yeah. the amount of like engineers that they have to like communicate with, right? Like I'm looking at these numbers right now from um, from an article on TechCrunch that, for example, Atlassian went from having a ratio of one to 25 in, 20, in, in, in 2012 to a ratio of one to nine in 2017. Um, yeah. For example, LinkedIn went from one, one to 11 to one to eight in 20, 2017. Yeah. But the one that I'm looking at is shocking me the most is IBM. They had one to seventy-two in two thousand twelve, right? Yeah. To one to eight in two thousand seventeen, right? And that's that's just like a lot of change that that they they have seen to go through. And especially with IBM, I think they're one of the first companies that started with sort of like um exploring like design thinking and going like super like sharing that sort of view. Like design thinking is really important mm-hmm. uh, for companies, right? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, and and I think with design thinking comes something else that's um. That, that has changed the design game a lot in the past uh, years, and that's design systems. Um, yeah. So I'm actually not sure, and I want to ask you guys, when, like, can you tell us more about what design systems are, how they became a thing, and when they were first, when, when like, what, what are some things that they save, and, like, what are some things that they improve as to whereas before when they weren't a thing? Yeah. Kevin, you want to take yeah. this one first? Sure. Uh, so, like, a little history is that before companies, they uh when they design a product they don't really like it's it's also this applies for like startups and everything when you're designing a product like you're trying to make something for the end user to use but like in in this process you can get lost and you could start focusing on the um the micro stuff like how this feature is going to be implemented how it's going to be coded what language to use all of those technicalities and then at the end you design something that um, nobody is going to use in the end so you've done all this like process for little result so that's why uh, companies started um, hiring these designers Ooh. to think about the whole process think about the users think about every every little detail so that in the end when you finish developing the product you get something that people actually use and part of the the designer's job for this is like to create some systems where they can follow um, whether it's like a style guide to make your product all consistent whether it's um i don't know you can expand on the systems since you've uh totally you've uh, been to 
like you've been a part of all these uh, different companies before. Cool. So, yeah, do you want to actually expand on that? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, sorry, there's a bit of a like late like a lag here, but um, uh, yeah, no, you've you've you you basically touched on it, Kevin, and I love that that context you gave uh, around around design systems, and so really it's exactly what you've mentioned like in these in these larger systems um design systems emerged for primarily two reasons one consistency so you find that like quite literally you would just have teams building shit and then each person's using like a slightly different shade of blue or a slightly different shade of gray and a slightly different shade of and then it's kind of like this product then gets this point of like death by a thousand cuts where it's like you zoom in, it's like, oh yeah, that's just like two different shades. That's fine. And then you zoom out, and it's just like this patchwork of different grades. Um, and 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 that's just like a smaller case. A much more serious case would be like the way a form operates, right? You see the way the form operates here is different, different from the way the form works here, different from the way the form 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 works here. And that sort of inconsistency just degrades the product experience. Like it's not, it's not great. It'd be like if every car Ford made was slightly different than the last one. Like no one wants to buy a car. <laughs> no, there's no consistency around how the cars make. And the reason why I keep making these parallels to real products is, or like not real products, physical products, is because I think as digital designers, we sort of we we get detached because like the work we make exists in sort of this ether of digital space. But it's still a product, right? Like it's like it's in the cloud. It's like it's still a product. Like you know, that's why I have massive respect for um, um, industrial designers because like all the conversation we have about like should this happen? Should designers code? Blah blah blah. I'm like industrial designers don't have a question of should I understand cement or should I understand architecture before I design a building. <laughs> Like, you have to understand architecture before you design a building. That's not a question. And you have to understand consistency before you design a building. So yeah. um, design systems emerge for, for one, that reason is to introduce consistency into the systems. And I can tell you, yeah, I haven't worked at these, these companies. It's exactly that, right? They, they give you essentially these kits um, that work in either Sketch or Figma. And essentially, if you use a button and then a platform team operates that, um, um, changes that button, it just like, Changes across files and across the product. It's wild. Um, And then the second reason the design systems emerged was for um, quick prototyping, right? Mm -hmm. So we wanted to take our work from sort of this static world to this dynamic world where we could say, okay, we want to design a page that has a form, it has a header, it has a this, it has a that. And we don't want to have to do that again. So can we just drag a header, drag a form, drag a button, and then change some of the content of that? But the 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 but the, the bits of it remain the same. So yeah. it's sort of like, and it's a, a really great person that talks about that is Brad Frost and Atomic Design, right? Mm-hmm. So like Brad Frost, he kind of takes design and then atomicizes it and say, if you can think of like design as as these elements, right? So you've got atoms coming together to make elements, elements coming together to make compounds, compounds coming together to make, you know, stuff, right? So you yeah. have, you know, elements is like typography coming together, sorry, um, atoms like typography coming together to make a type scale and a type scale coming together to make, 
you know, paragraphs and body text and, and, and that coming together to make like the page of a screen, like whatever. Uh, now, of course, that, that wasn't perfect. So please, if you're listening to this, don't call me out. Like, I get it. Like, I got it wrong. But the general idea is that. So, so those are sort of the two reasons that they emerged. And some designers have argued like they commoditize design. I think it's inevitable. Like, it's, it's inevitable. It's, it's not something we should fight. I think it's something we should embrace and adjust um, because it has to happen. And I feel like one thing that, like, that a lot of you have noticed is that with design systems also comes sort of like more work before you can actually start designing, right? Because like, for example, especially, especially with uh, like, for example, when I, when I, when like, for example, we had this class at Carlton previously um, for like building a project for, so in the, for a software engineering class. Like it's a four month mm. uh, class, right? And like one thing that I told many of my friends was like before, like this is something that you should apply for sort of like everything you make. Like if you want to use a design system, a lot of more thought and time goes into the design at first. So like you do delay that sort of like time of when you can actually start designing and making things, but you need to put that time into building the design system first, right? And it's sort yeah. of like, you put that time in first, but then in the long run, it'll benefit you a lot, right? Yeah. So like, it's like, if you start, if you sit down and start designing a landing screen, before knowing everything, any, anything about what your product is gonna like feel like in the long term, you're gonna run into more problems in the future, right? Whereas yeah. like with the science systems, like it takes more time at first, but it really benefits a lot everything yeah. in the long run. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree with you, and I think it's ultimately a function of like where you're trying to go. I feel like if you're going straight to code, then I think you could probably benefit from a design system. But if you're like, a, so for example, I mentor like people coming into design, like fresh, and they're just like, I've never done any design in my life. Like, not even like, okay, like Kevin, where like you did visual design growing up, like these people have never designed anything, right? <laughs> for them, I generally discourage going the design system route. Why? It doesn't build design sensibilities, right? It doesn't. So design systems... They essentially give you economies of scale, where it's like you get the. It's just essentially what you're describing is that as you as you scale up and you're trying to build more and more screens, um, the design system makes that faster. Exactly. But when you're like still doing that like one or two thing, uh, you don't benefit from that economy of scale, right? So design systems really only work in economy. It's essentially the same thing like that car thing, where if you're trying to build one car, a design system doesn't work. You're trying to build a thousand cars design system does right so if you're one person trying to build a screen should i recommend a design system to you probably not maybe a style guide might be helpful which yeah. are two again two two separate and, things yeah and yeah. having the design systems also has helped a lot like sort of like develop code as you mentioned like yeah i remember exactly like for people for those developers that write all this all these css files for companies and products it makes it a lot easier when you look at a design system, right? Yeah. And they tell you we need a style sheet for this, and you look at that, and it's very easy, right? Whereas, yeah, like, exactly. if they give you a bunch of screens, and you're like, go make CSS for this, right? Like, how do I even? How how <laughs> like, do you do how that? How do I even exactly. write this, right? Um, yeah. I think like the last bit I say on that is like, if you're again, like, if you're just trying to understand design and make stuff and move fast, um, I think a design system style guy, whatever, could work. But if you're like genuinely interested in a longer term career as a designer, uh, I would say hold off on a design system, understand the basics, get to either like Photoshop or Sketch or whatever, mm -hmm. fuck around in there um, without without anything. It's kind of like play. Like it's like kids yeah. learn by you throw them in a sandbox and they fuck around and then they understand stuff. Um, yeah. And I think that's helpful. I think with uh, like and especially with tools like Figma, design systems, 
were just so much easier to use nowadays, right? Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, Figma is a collaborative tool for design um, that's sort of been taking over the entire design world over the past, would you say three, four years, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's really, it's, it's really a different way to work than what it was before. And I want to touch on that. Sort of like, from what I know, before design used to be, um, designers work with like, in, in their separate sort of like uh, tools and projects and using, for example, like the Adobe set, like XD yeah. or, or uh, effects or whatever it is. And then they would use other platforms to give their stuff to developers, such as Envision. And it, it was a very common dual having Adobe plus Envision and then kind of to developers and then iterating and iterating through those things. And like, especially from a place where I've been, I've seen so many Envision files where it's like final one, final two, final three, sure. final, final, right? And on Envision especially, right? And like, um, so yeah, so do you guys want to talk about a little bit what it was before, especially so what, what it was like before? Like, I want to <sighs> say before collaborative design became it a is. thing. I think it's like you make it like we're old, buddy. Like we just got here. Like, <laughs> yeah. but, like Kevin yeah. is like he's like before. Like I don't know how many people to you. I think I've, I've read this once, but if I can remember correctly, I don't. I'm just assuming here, but I feel like before it was the developer's job for everything. It was like they had to think of the design. They have to think about the code. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. And but in terms of like in terms of the pipeline specifically, like contrasting a lot, like using X, like especially one of the combos that I've seen XD and Ambition, like it's so yeah. different from from what it is like nowadays, right? I can speak oh, to yeah. my workflow before, uh, before Figma. Maybe that'll maybe that's helpful. Um, so like for me, it was like, so I actually never used XD as much. I used XD for like mm. a sum total of like six months and haven't touched it since then. Uh, it just wasn't moving as fast as I would like, and uh, and when I had discovered Sketch at the time, too, Sketch was the industry standard, so it just had that benefit. So if you wanted to like, I literally remember applying to a job, and they were like, "Part of this is you need to submit the Sketch file," and I was like, "Shit!" <laughs> and then I yeah, like, bought Sketch for that job, which is my first. My, my bought Sketch for yeah. that job. No, Sketch uh, is expensive. I never yeah. switched back. <laughs> like, which is again a weird thing in design. It's like I forever don't know why they asked. They could have asked for like a PDF at the end. They asked for the file. They wanted to see how I structure stuff. Anyways, um, but what the way I used to do it back then was actually um, sketch to envision. So I never did Adobe to envision. I did sketch to envision, um, which was I guess the beginnings of that. I think. It yeah. was sort of started seeing where because so you remember so you're you're talking about Adobe to Envision which yeah, is like exactly. you import it and then you have to like pick it all up. Um, then once you switch to Sketch, Sketch had this Craft plugin with Envision called Craft, and what that did was it allowed you to essentially sync the screen directly to Envision. It was it was great, mm. powerful stuff. Um, so that was the first, I think, first plugin that really was like valuable and useful. Uh, and then that was probably it was that experience that led to like you know Figma and this burst of plugins into the world, but it was generally it sucked like it was bad. It's just like now that I think about it, it sucked. I mean, if you look at Figma today. We've got stuff like Smart Animate. No, I like it, it was so much I'm work right? from like no, from, you, from you finishing your design to giving it to developers. It was so much work. Right? It's to one like, file. I just yeah. literally like I I use it now at the startup I work at uh, RV Easy. <laughs> 
and um, they're they're sort of this like Airbnb for uh, RVs, and I do a ton of work that I need to hand off. Um, and literally, what I do is I just generate a, a link and I send it, and that link has my files. It has the let's say they wanted to write code. It has like all that you know that little Figma has a little oh, yeah, code oh, yeah. output. Yeah, it's got thing. that. They can create the part they, they, they can press the play button and look at my prototypes. All of that in one link, incredibly powerful. Uh, and so Figma just kind of replaced that whole thing, and, yeah. and and I haven't touched Sketch since, and I sure as hell have not touched Adobe <laughs> since. So like, I don't remember the last time I yeah, did so, Adobe. So like going back to Figma, like when I, I sort of I honestly I can't remember. I think it started. It was in 2014, mm-hmm. um, but it really didn't start taking off until I want to say like 2016, 2017. Um, and for those who don't know, Figma now is sort of like the center in pretty much all of the big companies. Um, yeah. Or at and, least uh, it's like it, a co-tool. Yeah. Co- and it's sort of the center for like sort of any design, um, like at least in the field of tech, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it really has changed the game a lot because like it's not only like, I remember before where like if designers wanted to share things with each other, each of them had to work on their own file and their computer, right? And yeah. then share it and make sure that you have the final version and that word. That word final on every single file. I think it's like it's a huge meme in terms like, of like, like in terms of I get flashbacks. <laughs> but like before, like you get to one final design and then you're like, oh no, I want to make more change and it's final, final, final. And then like someone, everyone has these files that have like final version seven, final version eight. <laughs> Whereas like mm-hmm. now with with design that's like cloud based, it is just so different than what it was before. Yeah. Um, and like it, it has like and sort of like it has taken over that workflow of like any product plus envision because like as Tolu was mentioning there's sort of like these tools for like prototyping for styling for getting code from all the apps uh for, from your files and it's just like it's just completely changed the design industry right it 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 is it is it flipped it on its head i think like i think figma is just so instrumental for two reasons one is it was i think one of the first design products that was like truly good at scale that was free yeah i don't think i remember any product design product that was like and good and what you just said being free being good at changed. scale too. so yeah because it was either free and like not so good or it was good and great but not free Figma was like why can't we be both and i was like why that's crazy <laughs> like you can do that <laughs> that's wild and i think uh the second thing that figma did was like it it, and I think I mentioned this to a lot of my friends, and like Figma has a strong point of view on how the world should work and how design should work. And mm-hmm. I think like that's just something, both as a designer and a product builder, is just like always great to have. I think I feel, like if one of the best things you'll develop as a designer is a strong point of view, right? So it's just like, how should this work? Like, just like have your opinion, draw your line in the sand, and call it a day. And Figma drew their line in the sand, and they were like, "We don't think this needs to be an uh, application you d- you do download on your computer. Mm-hmm. We don't think we think this can operate in the cloud. We think this can be free. We think we can build a strong plugin uh, developer community, and we can be cool." And they did it. Yeah, you know. So yeah, incredibly instrumental. Ten out of ten. But yeah. at the same time, though, um, I will. F- there's still going to be a world, a space for like. Um, more specialized tools. Yeah. So, uh, for example, I've been really uh, looking at uh, Origami Web recently, which I believe is also free. Uh, Origami is, I think, from Facebook. 
and like that's a really powerful like animation uh like it's a pretty good prototyping tool but it's like it's pretty powerful like it's it's like if you are amazed by smart animate origami will blow your freaking mind like you can do stuff you can take advantage of the phone's camera like and this isn't an app this is like your prototype your prototype can access the phone's camera. You could do shit with the phone's camera in the prototype. I was like, what? <laughs> you can like do stuff like that um, in prototypes. And I've seen this at Facebook, like the way they do it for like Instagram. That's how like Instagram designers uh, at Facebook operate. Like they use origami almost exclusively to show off like new things they're doing with the Instagram create function. And they don't have to like put some like whack picture from on, from like on Splash in there to make it look good, they're using the phone's camera and like showing off the prototype with live like data. You can use live data in prototypes in origami. You can pull yeah. from APIs wow. <laughs> into your prototype. You can populate your list with shit from that an is- API. I'm just like, this is an app. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> and it's just like drag and drop blocks. Yeah. If you want to, you can flip and write code. Like, so there's definitely gonna be a space for those. But I think Figma is just like, burst that gate open that like these don't have to operate on your computer it can be on the web it can be free it could be cool so like and, and and especially with plugins right like i think it's so so cool that like Figma decided to like i don't want to say like uh, like uh, open source yeah. is probably the wrong word to use but like how they how they let their apis and the, sort of like their like their tools be so open for everyone right like building a building a plugin for figma is so easy and like you literally just go Go to the, like their, their website. Yeah. And, like it's just like you have like all these guides for how to develop a plugin, right? And that opens the door for developers too, not just for designers, right? Like for example, people like us, like if we wanted to develop a plugin using like JavaScript and whatnot, like we would know how, right? And like for a lot of developers that want to get involved with design, like that's yes, just sir. It, it's it's a really this really is also like a um, benefit for designers with programming knowledge. They could design their own tools for Figma for themselves yep. to use and improve their workflow even more you know? big prediction there might be i don't know if it'll be a billion dollar company there will be a decently sized company in the next 10 years built on top of plugins for these tools like mm-hmm. decently oh, sized company it probably won't be a billion dollar company because I, guess, I think it's a billion dollar market anyway um like the platform the, the platform can never be a billion like the platform users can never be billion dollar the platform can um so just by like that math the, the company itself won't be billion dollar but it's going to be the same as like they have been com- million dollar companies off of building apps for the apps uh for the app store no I, and that's exactly i i wanted to bring that like bring that into so view for, like, for those who are developers and don't for those who are developers and don't just think about it as like those npm packages that you use for javascript code think about them like that for design right um, and the thing is, like Figma is still growing like crazy, right? And if you if that community grows with it, right, you, it just leads to it's, more and more plugins it, it and more will help. Keep growing, it, it for just, sure, one hundred ten percent. It's it's like a sea of opportunities that you have. There will be <laughs> there will be a decently sized company. So if anyone's trying to build Figma plugins at scale, uh, hit me up. <laughs> just <laughs> saying, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> but anyways, moving on. <laughs> um. Cool. So both of you guys are involved with sort of like design groups, design communities at your schools, right? I want to hear more about that. Um, so Kevin, especially, he's involved with the UFD Design Club. Uh, can you tell us more about that, Kevin? Yeah, we're, we brand ourselves as uh, UFT's 
student-run design studio. Uh, we basically have, uh, we recruit every year uh, during the fall and we gather up designers to take on client projects. Um, clients could be anywhere from like uh, student faculties, uh, student clubs. Uh, we've had um, outside work as well. And once we get that client work, we just split you up into teams. We have teams of visual designers, teams of um, merchandise designers, such as like t-shirts, buttons, pins. Um, we also have teams for UI UX that, uh, for uh, our computer science faculty. Um, also, right now, we're at like, we have a balance, like half of our group is from computer science and half of them are from like architecture. So, so half of your group of the UFT design club is yeah. from computer science. <laughs> yeah, we have wow. we recently gained a ton of interest for uh, UX, UI design. Yeah. Um, we, we also host, like back then we hosted, in winter we hosted uh, workshops every two weeks. Uh, like covering topics from like um, color theory, uh, icon design, uh, product, as in like merch design. And then basically after that, we have a bunch of questions actually about UI UX design. So that's definitely like indicator to see how this uh, product and UX yeah. design field is growing. Um, yeah, so. And how did, how did that community start, Kevin? Like was it like was it like designers that started or was it like people from the CS Boxing or yeah. it was actually uh uh it started like I think the club has been around for eight years. Um wow. from the very awesome. start. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From the very start we didn't have uh like the UX UI design was kind of real really small. So actually mm -hmm. started from visual designers that are looking for a for like a community in the school for mm -hmm. for um, designers, and then overall, uh, before we were called Design Design, and then over the years we kind of rebranded ourselves. I like that. You <laughs> design, yeah. <laughs> and our uh, previous like alumni, basically, they've gone on to like some of them work in uh, like uh, product design for Amazon. Some of them are. A lot of them are actually transitioning to product and UX design. Cool. Awesome. No, that, 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 that's, that's, that's very cool. Um, and in another topic, so for Ottawa, um, we have the Ottawa Figma user group. But before we go into that, uh, Tilo, do, do you want to talk about any communities that you guys have at New Ottawa? Yeah, no. Um, there's, yeah, so we've got Uotta Hack. And so I was one of the first designers at Uotta Hack, designed mm -hmm. for them two years ago and um then moved on to other projects um we've got the so i run classes at the university of ottawa here and there teaching design to students mm -hmm. um i think again i think omar and i we've had this conversation where like ottawa isn't really a design city yeah uh, so <laughs> it's definitely a different challenge to try and like, cultivate design in the city and with that among students so I think that there's a there's a bigger community of like full timers and professional people in design rather than students, especially in Ottawa. Yeah, there's definitely a bigger community in full time in full timers. I honestly think that any 
well, two things. The student design community in Ottawa is incredibly fragmented. Um, you know, there's stuff going on in Carleton, stuff going on in Ottawa, there's stuff going on in Algonquin, unfortunately, that we're not even aware of. Algonquin, it should be Algonquin should be the point, the should be the spearhead actually, because a lot of those students are doing professional, uh, yeah, it's, it's professional like education on this, but there's not really a lot I, I, I see. But of course, there's the Figma community popping up, and I and I I'm, and I've you know I've, I've done some work to like kind of lay the groundwork there for that, and, and hopefully that 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 takes on forward but again just coming back to me personally you ought to hack and teaching design on campus is pretty much um pretty much my my experience in terms of creating community there i will say these days i'm not as uh, involved in the design community as i used to be in ottawa uh, at least not directly in the form of hosting events i still do personal personal work but uh i think i've since moved on to uh to other projects yeah, and, and specifically that Ottawa Figma user group, like that that's a really, really recent community that started, yeah, uh, I think, recent. by the design lead at a Fellow App, right? Yeah, it was, so it was design lead. Most of them are folks at Fellow App. Some of them are at U.I. Uh, I was on I was I was on the team as well. Um, but because of the rest of the year and the way the rest of my year is panning out, I've 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 moved on from that. But yeah, it's mostly Fellow, mostly U.I. folks um and they just kind of came together to create this figma yeah. community um on um in the city and hopefully that becomes a launching pad to like you know a larger more present community uh, across the across the city now whether or not that'll have a downstream impact on students hard to say but i'm hoping it does yeah no i think it'd be interesting to see how if the if students are start coming to these uh meetings the last thing that we sort of uh wanted to talk about is so the entire recruiting the entire interviewing um process for design it's very different than the than developer than those internships for like computer science students mm-hmm. um and i wanted, wanted you guys to talk about like what are some tips or tricks or like so what are some of like the main things that people who are in their first year second year sort of like getting into the design um area or field like to to know about sort of like things like branding having your personal website portfolio especially with um study cases right yeah. should, 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 should rock paper scissors for it like who, 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 who gets to... <laughs> i'm just gonna go you can go ahead okay so definitely the i'd say the main difference is that in design the uh the for internships and stuff to show off your work there's a definitely a focus in uh your portfolio and um through that portfolio, uh, employers get to see like what kind of knowledge you have about design, um, how committed you are, that kind of thing. And um, usually, portfolio you can either like show it off through your personal website. Um, I know there's a bunch of portfolio uh, websites out there that you could uh, create yourself. And um, also, it depends like what kind of design you're going for for example if you want to focus more on product design in your portfolio it's going to be consisting of a lot of case studies that you've done a lot of um, personal projects and i'd say like starting out for me um 
I had a portfolio for that showed off most of my like visual work, like mm-hmm. logo designs, poster designs. And then once I started getting familiar with uh, UX and UI, I transitioned my portfolio into something consisting more of like case studies. Um, what a case study is for those who don't know is that it's it's uh, basically a project, a design project you take on from, could be from start to end of the product cycle. Uh, say you, you, you want from the beginning, if you want uh, like how you did your research for this product, like how you research your users, how you did, um, I mean, like how you did like uh, your scenarios, um, yeah, sort of your your design thinking in general. Right? Yeah, design thinking, yeah. and then how you actually created that project, like the visual yeah. side, what kind of font, icons, color, all of that. Um, it's good to like include the style guide, everything you use there, and then to like iteration of your design, how you yeah. like did, how you tested your design, and how, like what you changed. Um, I feel like what people like employers really look for is is how you describe like why you did this you know like why you made this text this size why you uh decide to uh have this kind of flow in your app why does this page lead you to this page basically you want to explain in detail about your decisions and like uh how 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 they're educated how that like how your research influenced your decision and that's basically what a case study is and then but the challenge of presenting these in your portfolio is making it um succinct and like concise enough for employers to read you don't want to like just slap on to your website your like whole research paper because no one's gonna read all of that you know so the challenge for me was like really condensing all this information into something consumable for the for someone reading your portfolio. Yeah. Uh, uh, some tips for this I learned is that uh, there's this. Um, it's basically like an interview, but you're not present. Like your interview is on the page. So a uh, good tip is like the star method. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I forgot. I think one situation, action, response. Basically that, yeah. And uh, so you want to, because I I feel like employers, they get like thousands of applications. So they're going to skim your portfolio. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, so you need your information to be concise. Like uh, another tip is like to use titles, headers, bold things here and there. Uh, bold the important information um also i'm not i'm not too sure about this but i feel like employers they want to see like the visual side of things too like if your page is like all scattered like different fonts different colors different yeah. like and inconsistent basically yeah and i think that's where sort of like having i think that's where sort of like having a personal brand really comes in help oh. like yeah um Sort of like the way like your color palette, your fonts, having it consistent throughout your your portfolio, your even your yeah. resume. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that definitely yeah. shows initiative that you you took the time to think of like a brand for yourself. Because yeah. 
the employer is yeah. going to look at it and see, oh, if he could do this for his himself, he could definitely add a lot of value to our team. Yeah. Basically, and- that, yeah. So that's how, that's how my process went. Like, cool. Yeah. yeah. And if I could just add to add, add to a lot of what Kevin said, because he's touched on a lot of stuff I would have touched on. Mm-hmm. But I think at a high level, I would say think of your design portfolio like a like a UX pro- project, uh, like any other UX project, right? So you can also meta apply the same principles you would apply to any project to your own portfolio. And, and part of that is, you know, I tell a lot of designers, especially you know ones that aren't too exposed, is look at the level of work that is generally being produced and aim for that. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of designers say, oh, but I'm at this level, so my portfolio looks like this. And I'm like, that's not the case. Like if your portfolio is only one project, make that one project stand out, make it really good. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of like uh, specific places you can go, my biggest recommendation is usually best folios. So best folios, you can go there, you can look at, our portfolios from designers and design students from everywhere and see what their portfolios look like. I'm not saying copy, but that's generally what you should be looking like. And the reason why these portfolios work is because as much as you want to be creative with your portfolio, you need to also understand that there's some degree of pattern matching going on as well. Yeah. And that's just yeah. by nature of the fact that we're human beings. Like, even, the, even as designers, we're still pattern matching. So um, you don't want your portfolio to be too far out of the pattern to the point that they're having to relearn whole new mental pathways to understand what the hell's on their screen. So if there's generally a pattern to how product, about how work is displayed, show that pattern. Um, you know, and then another piece of advice I give is just like design for the floor, sorry, design for the ceiling, not the floor. So don't design your work and your portfolio at the level of, you know, say you're from, and the reason I, okay, the backstory behind that piece of advice is because I was coming into design as a student from software at the University of Ottawa, not even Toronto or Waterloo, Ottawa. (laughs) I I still think till today, I'm the first design, to practice design intern hire from Facebook, at Facebook from Ottawa. It's net is, I don't, I'm historically the first one. It's never mm-hmm. happened before. So there was no precedence um, for me to follow when, I, when exactly. I made my transition into that. So the best thing I could do was to understand that I, I wasn't designing to be better than the students from Waterloo. I wasn't designing to, for my portfolio to stand out from amongst Toronto. My, I was designing so my portfolio would stand out from students at Stanford, Berkeley, MIT, exactly. University of Washington, yeah. which, is a, which is a big feeder school as well. So that's to some degree, that's your ceiling. So yeah, I encourage you go to those sites, look at that level of work and then design at that, at that level, not at yeah. any other level and, below that. And to add on to this thing, I think another, like sort of like to build off on that, I think it's also good to like, not be afraid to look at people that are already like in full, like people that are full timers already and yeah. also take ideas from them. Like one, oh, thing yeah, that I, one thing that I do a lot for like for development, it's like, I go on Twitter a lot and like sort of like see what the people in, in the full time like sort of like field are talking about and discussing, right? Not just like don't be don't feel afraid to jump out of like the student sort of don't like copy, um, definitely don't like yeah, yeah, no, plagiarize. Sure. So if you're gonna just like word for word copy, that's wrong <laughs> and you will get called out for it. Uh, so don't do it. Never do it. 
But uh, and then the last piece of advice I would give on portfolio work, I think again Kevin's touching a lot of the major stuff around like how to structure your work, so I'm not gonna like repeat it because he he really covered it all. Um, but I think like the last bit I would say is, um, you know, don't be afraid to design for the work you want. So I see people with design portfolios and put stuff in there, and I'm like, is this the work you want? Like if this is the work you want, that's fine. But I see them design portfolios and then apply to like Google. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> they don't <Yeah>. match. <laughs> I can't help you, buddy. Like you gotta go back to the drawing board, right? So, yeah. um, you know, in my, when I first started out, I had nothing, I, I wasn't, there was no design club at Ottawa. There was no product design club. There's no UX design club. So I just crafted my own case study. I looked at what other case studies were doing. And so, okay, clearly these case studies have something in common. If in case you're hearing this and you're the kind of person where you're in a place where there is no design community around you, um, ultimately a designer is solving a problem. So identify a problem and solve for that. So for me, it was Spotify, right? I really enjoyed Spotify. I wanted it to have shared listening. So I crafted my first case study. I entitled it Spotify, a case for the shared music experience. Put it on and, and then spent a month and a half designing that. But what was special about that project was that one, it was a problem that was real. I did like research for it. I spent months inside Spotify's forums, talking to actual Spotify users, um, showed off that as well. Um, and, and really, but well, what was important there was that was work I wanted to do, right? I, I showed the kind of work that I wanted to do. So if you're saying you want to be a designer, but your portfolio isn't showing like, adequate visual work or adequate like you uh user research or adequate intentionality you can't you you're you're, you're, you're not going to get like you, you're, you're not going to get hired for that kind of work so yeah. you just show the kind of work that you want to do and then and then and then and then and then you know you have a better shot of actually doing that work um so yeah i think those would be like in addition to the stuff that kevin has said i think those that's kind of that's yeah. kind of a little bit out there. Another point that I really liked was treating your, that Tolu said, was like treating your portfolio as a UX project. Um, what I did was I actually got uh, people to come look at my portfolio and really give me feedback, criticize me, um, like get them in three minutes to read your whole portfolio and and then ask him, like, what did you get out of it? like what do you think this is all about? The portfolio yeah. is all about, right? And uh, one website that I used that really, really like changed, that was like a really big impact was actually Co-Folios. Um, yeah. It is a collection of interns. Co-Folios, I will, yeah. I will tell, that's wild. I will <laughs> yeah. tell Haskew yeah. that, that you love to Co-Folios. Haskew May, <laughs> he's the creator of, of Co-Folios, really cool guy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah there's also like in that website you can like basically see the portfolios of all these other interns from, yeah. from like uh big companies and like once you've taken a look at enough of their portfolio you kind of notice a pattern yeah. you kind of notice like a certain aesthetic uh that like each of them has and like really understanding that is like essential to crafting your portfolio also, but like, also like totally said, you don't want to copy. You want to like add your own twist to it. Yeah. Um, do something like design something that is that you think you're passionate for. 
Mm-hmm. And, and and one thing to add to that, like, if you go to Kufolios, like, I'm going to tell you, you're going to see some portfolios that are just mind-blowing. Like, just completely mind-blowing, right? And first of all, understand that those interns have already been through a lot of learning, right? Like, those aren't, fir- like, those aren't your, like, first, they're, like, they didn't get those big internships as their first internships, right? So no, understand there's a lot of work. Understand a lot that there's a lot of work that led to that, right? Yeah. And, and that's, a big, that's a big point you mentioned, too, is that they didn't get it all in the first try. I'm very open about this. It took me three tries to get to Facebook. So, you know, that's, that's, that's just a common thread in a lot of our lives. It's just like some things take time. Last bit I will add on the topic of portfolios. Outside of the portfolios, you can actually book their time. I'm on there too as well um, on on portfolios. Book any all of them. I, these these are all people I can personally vouch for. If you like, if you're listening to this, these are people who will take the take the meeting. They will get on the phone with you. They will take that Zoom call. They will take that Google Meet or that Hangout, and they will give you a good good advice. I find a lot of design, designers, uh, especially those who are transitioning in, don't want to reach out. I'm just like do it the worst thing you can i think omar i think you saw the tweet i, I tweeted the other day, it's like yeah. <laughs> the worst thing that can happen is no <laughs> and to me yeah. no is like inconsequential i'm like it's not even a never no it just means <laughs> there's another there's still a chance i can do this again <laughs> like, this what when i hear no i'm just like great i'll just try again next time like it's not really the problem right so portfolios book their time please they want to help. These people want to help, but they can't help if you don't reach out and say, hey, I need, I need advice. I need feedback. I have this. Critique it. Rip into it. Tell me what's going wrong. Tell me what's right here. Like, lay it on me thick. Like, I'm a benefit of that. Like, there were so many people who just ripped into me in the first, I mean, in a respectful way, of course. Yeah. But they went in. They were like, too long. Too many texts, headers. Why are you doing this? Where's your visuals? I'm just like, yes, thank you. And I I'm a product of that. Like, that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, sorry, Kevin. Yeah, I've I've actually scheduled like office hours with these people on that website, and they did the exact same you exact in, same thing you explained. They yeah. go in, yeah, and that's good. You need it. Yeah. Yeah. You just so like, even even on Twitter, the community is really big of developers and designers, but especially designers there's so many designers that i see always active on twitter yeah so definitely just like re- replying to threats or like asking for advice or whatever just ask and they will ask and ye shall receive the community is very helpful you just got and there's so many places to find them now co-folios best folios um it's if cool. you're an underrepresented minority uh there's blacks who design there's women who design uh, those are those are great if you want to you know you know want a more personal connection you 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 don't feel you you want to discuss like representation as well like that's another thing there's a lot in the community right now I think we just gotta like you know get that all out there and get people you know you know connected all right so we're running a little bit short on time but yes thank you guys so much for coming before we say anything else where can people find you uh, Kevin where you can, go can people your, find me uh, Twitter Kevin where can find me Yep. Uh, my portfolio website, also my blog, uh, kz.com. That's k-a-y-y-z-z.com. Um, if you want, if you're interested in UDesign, you're in UFT. Go to Facebook, search up UDesign. That's exactly how you pronounce it. It's U and then design. Awesome. For me, uh, 
my portfolio is tolu.design that's t-o-l-u dot design so not dot com but dot design um on most instagram on most socials i'm t-x-l-u-u except for twitter where there's an extra u fun story old account got suspended uh I still don't know why, but uh, yeah, I'm on I'm on those socials as T X L U U, and then on Twitter as T X L U U U, and then on LinkedIn as Tolu Olubade. Feel free to hit me up any place, anywhere. Grab some time, chat. I'm super awesome, I think, um, and I think I answered most questions. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much where you can find me. Yeah. All right, thank you guys so much. Uh, I can definitely link it, say in the, the, link it, Omar. Link it in the thing. I will. I will. <laughs> And also, I can personally vouch for Kevin and Tolu, really amazing people, really friendly people. So please don't, don't, don't be afraid of reaching out to them for any advice. And yeah, that's it. Thank, Thank you. you guys. This is awesome, Omar. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. It's great to meet you, Kevin. Yeah, great to meet you too. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. See you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye.